This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Russia's shelling of more than 40 towns in the east of Ukraine destroyed almost a dozen high-rise buildings, according to local authorities. Russia has doubled down on efforts to take control of the Luhansk region as its troops encircled the neighbouring cities of Severodonetsk and Lysychansk. A local official said that pro-Russian separatists are holding 8,000 Ukrainian prisoners of war in Donbass, of which Luhansk forms half. The 18-year-old who fired upon children in Uvalde, Texas, shared his plans to attack a school on Facebook shortly before the massacre he wrought on Tuesday, officials said. Meta, Facebook's parent company, said the posts were private one-to-one messages. Salvador Ramos shot his grandmother, who survived, at home before gunning down 19 children and two adults at the elementary school. The head of the World Bank said it's hard to see how a global recession can be avoided. David Malpass blamed Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which is causing the prices of food, energy and fertiliser to spike, as well as coronavirus restrictions in China. In April, the World Bank cut its global economic growth forecast for 2022 from 4.1% to 3.2%. Boeing's Starliner spacecraft touched down successfully at Spaceport America in New Mexico following a jaunt to the International Space Station. The aerospace giant hopes its unmanned mission proves that NASA will soon have an alternative means of supplying the ISS. Currently, only SpaceX makes regular flights. The president-elect of the Philippines promised to stand up to China over the South China Sea. Ferdinand Bongbong Marcos, who swept to victory with 60% of the vote in the presidential election earlier in May, said he would not allow a single millimetre of our maritime coastal rights to be trampled upon. Rodrigo Duterte, his predecessor, mainly avoided confronting China about its claims to the sea. Elon Musk committed to providing an additional $6.25 billion in equity financing to fund his purchase of Twitter according to filings from America's Securities and Exchange Commission. The deal has stalled since the company's board accepted Mr. Musk's $44 billion offer last month. At their annual shareholder meeting on Wednesday, Twitter executives declined to comment on the takeover. America's Securities and Exchange Commission published a proposal to require ESG funds to make good on their often vague promises to support environmental, social and corporate governance goals. The SEC may look intrepid, wading into such amorphous territory, but its goals are clear enough. To squelch bogus marketing and force some kind of standardisation on a booming bit of the investment industry. And fact of the day. 900. The number of shootings on school grounds in America since the massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School a decade ago. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Alibaba's faltering fortunes. In the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic, lockdowns and other restrictions keeping people at home boosted demand for online shopping and delivery services in China. For companies such as Alibaba, an e-commerce giant, 
and Meituan, a delivery super app, business was brisk for much of 2020. But two years on, and with China still maintaining a zero-COVID strategy, the restrictions have started to hurt consumers' disposable incomes, and hence demand. The outlook for Alibaba has darkened considerably, too. When the company reports quarterly earnings on Thursday, analysts expect it to suffer a drop in profits of at least 50% from the previous quarter. This is partly due to weaker demand for its services, but it is also because Alibaba has been one of the main targets of a government crackdown on big tech groups. Lockdowns are slowly lifting, and some analysts believe the tech lash might ease too. If that's true... Alibaba could make a slow recovery. Mariupol's defenders redefined in Russia. For 12 improbable weeks, Ukraine's Azov regiment held out against Russian troops in the city of Mariupol. On Thursday, Russia's Supreme Court is expected to declare it a terrorist organization. The controversial military formation, which has some historical links to the far right, has already been designated an extremist organization by Russia. The additional ruling appears to be in preparation for a trial of soldiers who surrendered to Russian forces earlier this month. Kremlin propagandists have frequently used the example of Azov to justify its brutal war which it describes as a military operation to denazify Ukraine. Little is known about the internationally brokered deals that preceded Ukraine's decision to surrender in Mariupol. Government officials refused to comment, saying any statement could endanger the safety of its servicemen. There does appear to have been some commitment to an eventual prisoner exchange, but not necessarily before a demonstrative trial. Not yet the end of Davos Man The annual meeting of the World Economic Forum, which wraps up on Thursday, is a study in contrasts, especially between the well-heeled insiders cloistered in Davos and the billions of outsiders on whose fate they pontificate. This time, the big disparity was between gloom about the world and the joys of shoulder-rubbing in person, minus the snow, after a -a two-and-a-half-year pandemic hiatus. War in Ukraine, pestilence, the lingering effects of COVID-19, especially in China, and famine, which looms in the form of sky-high food prices, topped a cheerless agenda. COVID policy kept most Chinese away. Vladimir Putin's war meant Russians were banned. Attendance was down by perhaps half on previous years, and companies reined in the parties and pizzazz. If all this made Davos less useful than usual, it was not quite useless. Attendees reported enjoying the frank backroom chats more than ever. Collectively, they can add up to something meaningful. Don't write off Davos man yet. South Sudan's Arms Embargo The world's youngest country has age-old problems. Established in 2011, South Sudan has spent much of its first 11 years embroiled in ethnic-based conflict over power and access to oil revenues. On one side are forces loyal to the president, Salva Kiir, 
On the other, those aligned with the vice president, Breik Mashar. A peace deal signed in 2018 ended five years of civil war, but elements of it are ignored or used as grounds for more patronage and graft. Lack of progress on the peace deal, outlined recently in a damning report written by UN-appointed observers, means the UN on Thursday is likely to vote to extend an arms embargo and asset freezes. For ordinary South Sudanese, life is grim. NGOs have documented widespread human rights abuses. In March, the World Food Program warned of the country's worst hunger crisis ever. The fruits of independence seem increasingly bitter. Translating a Booker Prize into Success Previous winners of the International Booker Prize for books translated into English have been well rewarded for their years of solitary toil. Han Kang, an author from South Korea who won in 2016, recently signed a two-book deal with Hamish Hamilton, a British publishing house. A Horse Walks Into a Bar, David Grossman's winning title from 2017, has been adapted into a play. And Olga Tokarshkuk's International Booker Gong in 2018 for Flights presaged a Nobel Prize in Literature. The Polish author, along with her translator Jennifer Croft, is the favorite again going into this year's ceremony, which takes place on Thursday. The prize money of £50,000 or $62,500 is shared equally between author and translator. Miss Tokarczyk's latest novel, Books of Jacob, is a wild, unruly beast. At more than 900 pages, the story spans seven borders, five languages, and three religions. But perhaps Heaven, by Meiko Kawakami, a hit Japanese novelist translated by Sam Bett and David Boyd, will stage a divine intervention. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you with a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Which hedge fund manager founded the Robin Hood Foundation with the aim of reducing poverty? Wednesday. What is the capital of the German state of Lower Saxony? Finally, here's the quote of the day, from Miles Davis, who was born on this day in 1926. Don't play what's there. Play what's not there. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.